Jack and Jay write an emo banger and then have a falling out worthy of an emo banger. Plus, Bananas and Nani, they're just skating on by. Laurel retains her best Stonewall, I don't give a fuck, face championship belt. Michelle and Jay, they have no idea what they are doing. There is some romance at a pool party. Veronica and Darrell, they find themselves without any friends. And we say goodbye to two wonderfully likable rookies and also... Has anyone seen Casey or Kenny? It's the challenge. Ride or Dies episode 5 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to the challenge historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future, if it's happening in the challenge universe. Then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibald. Thank you so very, very much for being with me on this wonderful Wednesday night. As all Wednesday nights are wonderful, this time of year are really just you know, any time of the year that the challenge is on Wednesdays turn into quite the wonderful night. We've got an action-packed, as always, episode to break down for you. Ride or Dies, episode number five. That is what we are here to talk about tonight. We're going to dive into it. We're going to get to the horribly epic, unbelievably bad strategy and gamesmanship from Jay and Michelle very, very quickly here. Before we begin, quick programming notes. Earlier this week, the Rewatch Recap miniseries continued with the top 20 daily challenges of the first 20 seasons. If you haven't checked that out yet, it's ready and available. It's the last podcast in this feed you're already listening to. Go give it a look. And then on Friday, we'll be doing the top 20 eliminations from the first 20 seasons, which was an extremely difficult list to put together and to make cuts for. So I'm very excited to reveal that to the world this Friday. And then, of course, Survivor Saturdays over on the Most Likely 2 podcast feed. Me and my good friend Paige coming off a weekend where she was inside Shy City with me attending Challenge Mania. Her and I will be breaking down the episode of Survivor that just aired, but I have yet to watch because Challenge First, always and forever. Come, come on. Who do you think I am? I'm only a historian of one show here. I might be a big, big fan of a lot of shows, but only a historian of one challenge first. But I'm sure it was a great episode of Survivor. Look forward to covering that if you're watching Survivor as well. Saturday mornings, most likely to podcast feed. That's where you get the Survivor coverage. And speaking of the fact that Paige and I were at Challenge Mania Laugh, the first ever stand-up comedy version of a Challenge Mania show this past weekend here in Chicago, which was great, which was wonderful, which I gave shout-outs to all the performers on my Instagram because they all did an absolutely great job. But also on the Instagram, I posted a signed poster from the event signed by the likes of a Susie Meister, a Polly Calafiori, a Tech Holmes, a Dan Walsh, a surprise guest that then surprise joined the meet and greet line, Sarah Rice. I think I'm forgetting one. Oh, and of course, uh, in my estimation, maybe the best performance of the whole day, Steve Mankey dropped in and also is signed that poster. So six, very cool, very awesome, very wonderfully funny, as it turned out, individuals challenge alum sign the poster it's a great looking poster to begin with now it's got all their signatures on it and it can be yours for free the small price to enter the giveaway for it which ends this friday is leave a rating or a review on this very podcast whether you listen on apple podcast spotify or anywhere else 
Those first two, most of you probably listened in there. I think by the numbers, almost all of you are. Leave a rating there, screenshot it, send it to me in my DMs, at Storying on Instagram. You are entered. That's all it takes. And for those of you who say, Jacob, I've already given you a rating a long time ago. Love you. Thank you. That's what you were saying to me. And now I'm saying it right back because love you. Thank you. That's amazing. And you still get to enter. Just it'll, it shows on the top of your little screen that you already left the rating. Screenshot that, send it to me. You can be entered. The poster can be yours. So with that, that's all the programming we've got. Now to tonight's actual programming, which is Ride or Dies, episode number five. Let's kick things off, as always, with the Cliff Notes recap. You know how it works by now. Cliff Notes recap everything that happened plot-wise. Episode 5, Ride or Dies, as quickly as we can sum it all up. Here we go. Three, two, one, and we are off. Pool party time and romance is in the air. Nelson and Olivia, Mariah and Bananas, where'd that come from? And Horacio and Laurel have a little something-something going on. Darrell feels a bit left out, not on the romance, but on having friends or alliances in general, as he and Veronica feel pretty alone in the game. Next, it's on to a whole new type of party as misspelling there on my end new type of party as jack and jay convince the house to have an emo party and all get in touch with their saddest of feelings lots of black clothes lots of bad bad makeup and jay and jack perform their new hit song cementing their bromance status for now off to the daily challenge sponsored by burger king called royal relay where the teams have to collect four crown pieces from across the lake each taking a turn swimming and rowing to make up the four runs they have to do first to get all four pieces back and put together wins their heat the fastest heat winner wins the day and five thousand dollars a piece from burger king all righty then heat one sees some impressive performances by nisa and jordan Horacio and olivia laurel and jack but none of them could keep up with jay and michelle then heat two where tori and devin lead wire to wire with veronica not knowing which way to swim mariah and nani not knowing how to row and colleen and kim actually making a late charge that falls just short but impressive performance overall win though goes to michelle and jay who now have a chance to really shake things up which they do but for themselves, they have no idea what to do. And in a panic, pick Laurel and Jack, Anissa and Jordan, Darrell and Veronica, and Kim and Colleen to go into interrogation where all four of those teams call out Jay and Michelle for not picking Bananas and Nani, who threw them in, and for not doing a single smart thing in general. Jay and Michelle are shook, all by their own doing, and afterwards end up talking to Bananas about how things went. Jay and Jack have a chat that seems nice, but then Jack reveals to Laurel that he doesn't forgive or forget and was just faking it. Then Michelle attempts a conversation with Laurel, which goes exactly how a conversation with a pissed off and befuddled Laurel usually goes, aka completely stonewalls her. At the zone, Jay and Michelle decide to say, fuck it, double down on the betrayal, and send in Laurel and Jack, followed by a draw that sees Veronica and Darrell winning safety and picking Jordan and Nisa to save after a speech that sounds like they are very much not going to do just that. Kim and Colleen are going in versus Laurel and Jack, and they are playing Give Me Some Slack. Strapped either side of a giant climbing wall, one partner's entire wall is made up of 12 giant puzzle pieces, with the other side having small matching puzzle pieces to take off the wall put together on the ground. When one partner moves up, the other is pulled down, making communication key. As it starts out, Kim pulls everything straight to the ground while Laurel and Jack try to go one piece at a time. Kim and Colleen ask for a check super fast, but they got it wrong. And after both teams work through double checking their work, it's Laurel and Jack that come out on top. Kim and Colleen are sent home. Laurel and Jack are going back to the house, which has Jay looking all kinds of dead inside. Emo party night two and episode five comes to an end. Okay, look, there's obviously one thing and one thing only to really talk about this episode, and that 
is the befuddling, the not very smart, the just really poor execution of power decisions that Michelle and Jay make. And so we will talk about them at length, but because it's kind of the only one thing, I don't want to just not talk about anything else. So I'm going to go in order of the episode here and quickly move through a couple things before we then get to the big, big storyline, the only real storyline, which is what the fuck were those two doing? All the love in the world, but what the fuck were you two doing? But before we get there, let's start where more or less the episode starts. It's party time. We get back-to-back parties. I doubt these are actually the same day. Maybe they were the same day, but a pool party and an emo party. Let's quickly touch on both. The pool party uh, is mostly just there to show, one, that it is the type of weather season that I have said coming into this season and in a recent season past that I do like that if it's not the full-blown cold weather because when it's middle of the day and the sun is out, it's still warm enough for them to be out jumping around in the pool, having a good time. That is necessary. It was so nice and refreshing and awesome and felt very more classic or middle-aged challenge to me to be able to see everyone having a good time in the pool. We need more of that. Loved it. Also love Nelson and Olivia. They're both national treasures. Uh, they both need to be protected at all costs, and so seeing them together, it uh, I ship it. I can't I can't not be in favor of uh, this. Uh, I don't know. I haven't checked the socials. I don't know if they uh, if anything goes beyond a pool party at the challenge house. That's usually where Nelly T leaves his love that loves him so much. It doesn't usually go beyond all that often, but. Hey, if it does, it does, and I'm rooting for them. And if it doesn't, I hope they're both doing great, and I think they are because they're both great. Mariah is the latest to take uh, to make the big game mistake of flirting with bananas. Now, I'm not going to comment on outside of the game whether this would be a mistake or not. Plenty of you have your opinions about that. I'll leave those to you. But in the game, it's still it, it's a mistake to be flirting with bananas. Have you not watched the? I guess not the last few seasons. It's been a minute now, but uh, this doesn't work out for anyone, any rookie woman. And there's been quite a few of them now that come on the show and bananas flirts with them and they flirt back and it uh it it hasn't gone so well for any of them in the game, outside the game, and life in general. So uh, Mariah, best of luck to you. Uh, We do know, I do know, I I guess I can say this now, um, if you missed it on the social media, that these two did at some point post-filming have a little vacay time together. I don't believe anything's been said about it or seen about it since that kind of leaked is, is the wrong word. They both posted the same picture on their Instagram with the same background in the same hotel room. And it was very clear. And someone put together like, Oh, look who's on vacation together clearly. And kind of wants to subtly let us know that anyways, moving on Horacio and Laurel, they're trying to build this up and there's clearly not anything to actually like show. There's very little, we had the little, you know, consoling hugging scene last week And then this week we get the confessionals where they're clearly asking Horacio leading questions about Laurel over and over and over. But like they're trying to build it up. If you watch the next week on, you know why, so that they can make this storyline. But they're clearly making this a lot bigger than I think it actually is in reality. That's all for the pool party, the emo party. Jay's dream. One of the reasons I love Jay in the game, but outside of the game is 
This guy, as he likes to say, hashtag elder emo loves his 90s and 2000s emo punk rock, getting in touch with his teenage angst. I'm a big fan of all of that music as well. All of that lifestyle I lived right along with what it seems like Jay did all of his upbringing. He still celebrates it almost daily in his social channels. I love, love, love every time he does one of the like try not to sing to this group of songs. I'll play 20 seconds of each one. All these hit emo punk rock songs. And I'm just like, boom, there's my playlist for the gym today. Let's go. Thank you, Jay. So this is his dream. And that knowing that about him, no, made me believe uh, uh, when they say, you know, Jay and Jack lead the charge to do this emo night, this emo party. And then the two of them write the song together. The songs, it's not a song. It's 20 seconds long or whatever it is, but it's fun. It's good. And it's impressive that they put that together in that short of time. And it made me totally buy and believe that yes, this bromance was real. This connection between them was real and that they really had hit it off and were like best bros all about it because I knew a little bit of that from his personal life. And it made me, I was like totally endeared to it. And the whole time I was like, also clearly there's about to be some problems in emo land with Jay and Jack. If they're just putting all this on us right away like this bananas learning guitar actually beneficial to the show didn't expect to see that one coming but here we are the makeup uh it's meant to be bad makeup but it's still bad bad makeup uh if you know what i mean but it's also hilarious and the award for the best portrayal uh, uh the best acting whatever whatever you want to say who who gets most into the spirit in the most accurate way Devin sitting in the corner, his hair and makeup is the, the funniest and the best of all of them. And then him just kind of like sitting, sulking in the corner. We get that shot of that. That's the best part of that. That's the, that's the two parties. As for the daily challenge, we move into that pretty solid design, mostly fun to watch. But again, why two heats? Can you really not get 12 of these boats and puzzle pieces? Is it really that hard? Is Burger King really like, Hey, we're going to sponsor this, but like, this is all that we can only give you 10 grand. Like we can't give you 20. Like, come on, what are you, what are you doing? Challenge. You spend so much money on so much different stuff from a production standpoint. And if you told me, Hey, the show doesn't make as much money for our, the, our producers, whatever. Have you seen, you know, the ratings and this and that and the other, and we keep making all these other mistakes to not have more people watching it. So we don't have as big of a budget as we've had, you know, it's starting to go down a little bit. I get it, but also your product would be significantly better if this wasn't two heats and this was all 12 going at the same time, which again, just takes, I know six more boats, six of those type boats is probably a significant amount of money to get whoever to make those or wherever they came from, whatever. Um, and is way more set up and all this, but one heat, one, it's more interesting and exciting to watch two. The daily challenge is over quicker. Give us more time in the house. That's what most people are wanting anyways. So the daily gets better. We get more house time. Your whole show gets better. Stop it with the heats. Do everyone at one time. That is the best version. But other outside of that is a really good challenge. And it really puts a lot of people's endurance on display. It puts swimming on display and it puts paddling on display. All three things clutch and key to a final, which speaking of, let's talk a couple quick performances. Mariah. First and foremost, not being able to figure out the paddling combined with the fact that Fessy not able to help her figure out the paddling really lowers the ceiling for what I thought of this team. I was starting to feel really good about this team, their chances to dominate 
in the competition, whether they would have to go through some eliminations, whether the political game would be super duper messy, that wouldn't have mattered because I thought I was starting to think this team ceiling as an athletic duo and the ability to, you know, do all the challenges put in front of them. I was really riding high on them. And then now I'm like, what? come on. It's it's one thing for her to be like, I've, this is, I've never rode like this. I'm a little confused. But it's another thing for her to be confused by it. Him to look and be like, I actually can't adequately explain to you or help you in this moment figure out how to just do this circle motion with your hands um, and get the rhythm of it. And so that lowered my expectations. Similar but different, Nani and Bananas felt like that was on purpose. I don't know. I don't have anything else on that. I'm just going to leave it there. It felt like they knew, well, we're not winning our heat. What's the point of, like, catching up and getting second? Why not maybe look a little over the hill, look like a little, like, we're not a threat, whatever? I don't know. It felt like that was that was kind of like they just kind of were like, eh, fuck it. I don't really feel like rowing. Do you? Nah, it's fine. We're not going to win, so let's just kind of hang out. Devin and Tori, however, on the other opposite end of the spectrum, show why they are the team to beat. And Devin, once again, shows his endurance and his athleticism has definitely seen an uptick season by season. And also, we learn once again, swimming is the biggest differentiator in the challenge house. It's not even close. Swimming is the what separates, you know, it just separates everyone in the house in such a big, massive way. It comes up in multiple dailies every season. And more often than not, it's probably going to come up in a final Maybe not in a long enough portion to like totally derail you, eliminate you from something, but also it could. And uh, just swimming in general, when swimming is introduced to a daily, to a final, it is far and away the biggest differentiator in the house. Shout out Anissa. Last performance shout. Shout out Anissa. Way exceeded my expectations on the swim. Um, I think if you listen to this podcast, you know where I stand on thinking uh, Anissa's abilities to possibly win a final um, and, you know, the endurance side of things in that she's a beast in a lot of areas, but just she lacks one of the very few requirements to win the final in my mind. And uh, so going into this, I was like, oh, it's going to be another like Jordan's going to be like, I guess, you know, I'm waiting here, whatever. Like Anissa did really well on the swim and on the paddle. So also rethinking that team slightly in my head, but overall, Swimming is the biggest differentiator. Don't do heats. Mariah, uh, Fessy, come on. I thought you were better than that. Okay, lead's been buried long enough. Michelle J., what the fuck was that? What in the world was that? How, 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 how? And I should start this by saying, one, I really love Jay, and two, I thought I really loved Michelle, which I still believe that I do. And it's not this episode that changed it. It is if you uh, if you are someone who's been watching the challenge and Survivor and by chance also maybe even listening to my Survivor coverage with Paige over on Most Likely 2, uh, you know, on this season of Survivor, there was a contestant cast member by the name of Ellie who I decided was going to be because there's like no villains on Survivor. I was just like, she's my villain. I'm rooting against her, but also secretly like rooting for her to go far so I can keep rooting against her. It was a little bit of a weird feeling, but I was against Ellie for no reason other than I just chose, I just, if you watch the season, you know, you kind of had to pick a side anyways. And then uh, last week I heard someone compare Ellie from Survivor to Michelle um, from the show. 
and Michelle from when she was on Survivor and then still now on this show. Uh, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. And I love Michelle. And I was, again, I didn't dislike Ellie. I just decided to root against her because it was fun to have someone to root against. And I chose her, um, which was, again, actually, I was kind of rooting for her so that I could continue to root against her. It was very weird. But anyways, now I was, I'm just like, I can't unsee it. Uh, there's a lot of similarities there. And now I'm rethinking, but I'm still pretty much think that I'm completely on team Michelle, but tonight's a hard night to be on team Michelle or team J because goddamn, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, not great decision-making there. And this isn't hard. This, okay. It, it's obviously really hard. I can't say this just sitting here in my own little office here, watching the show and being like, ah, oh, so easy. So obvious. What are you doing? You know? They're doing this in real time. They're it, it, it's stressful. It's confusing. They've won. They're on this high now. They have to re, they realize they have to go to this low of like now we have to pick people. Whatever. Um, that's why this stuff is interesting. But it's also not hard. Flat out. Here's what you do: Jay and Michelle, Bananas and Nani, Anissa and Jordan, Devin and Tori, Casey and Kenny. Why? Because Bananas and Nani threw you in already. So you're going at them for sure. They expect it. Everyone expects it as we find out. And because you have already announced yourself, yes, a lot of those rookie rookies like your boy, Johnny Middlebrook, have gone home. But you have still made it pretty clear. And you know clearly in your mind, hey, we're best case on the bottom of the vet vacation alliance kind of cruise totem pole if we're even on it. If we're even on it, we're at the bottom of it. So, you know, you're not there and you've already kind of pledged your allegiance of like, we're doing this thing over here with rookies and other younger vets like an Amber and her partner Chauncey. And so you just say, look, uh, it was already known. That's already where everyone kind of stood. We're going to make it official. We're putting Bananas and Nani, Anissa and Jordan, Devin and Tori, Casey and Kenny in. And then right after you do it, you immediately pull to the side, Olivia Horacio, Kim and Colleen, Amber and Chauncey, and Darrell and Veronica, and you're like, look, the 10 of us right here and now, it's us 10 versus whatever, you know, we just sent eight people in, whatever six come back are still clearly working together in a strong, tight-knit group. We got 10, and then you also let Laurel and Jack, Nelson and Narice, and Fessel and Mariah know if you want to be part of our side, you can be. Our side goes 100% against the other side until they're all gone. You can join us if you want, but one way or the other, we've got 10. And they would have had those 10. Olivia and Horacio, Kim and Colleen, Amber and Chauncey, and Michelle and Jay. They would have 100% had eight. And Darrell and Veronica are just sitting there for the taking. You would have been able to have your 10, if not a Nelson or a Fessel uh, and Mariah and Narice. You're done. There you go. Boom. Amazing. And that's not what they do. Uh, quick question. Do they have time limits uh, on how quick they have to do this? Because they're both like, I can't make this decision. Like, Ooh, I, they like, I think they even use the word like reference wanting more time or whatever. Like, are they on the clock right then and there of like, we got to film this stuff. So like, this has to happen. Like, wouldn't it be funnier and more interesting if they were like, can't make our decision. Yeah. We'll, uh, you know, we're supposed to have it up at 7 PM there. So we could do the interrogations then like next hour or two, and then have some shit go down in the house after interrogation. What if they were like, nah, we'll, we'll post them around. I don't know. Like, 12 30 tonight maybe then and then we'll some of you might be in bed we'll get you out of bed to come to interrogation that would piss people off that'd be fun that'd be interesting and entertaining tv so it seems like they have a clear time limit they're put to up to the test they just throw in stuff and then i'll come back to it more but they also then double down on it which 
don't double down on it. Um, you know, obviously things go super south, super quick with Laurel and Jack. Um, and, you know, Michelle and Laurel's conversations we'll talk about when we talk about best moments uh, of the episode. We'll just save that for then. But don't double down. Pick Darrell and Veronica. Once you put yourself in this situation, you're like, all right, we put in Laurel and Jack and Darrell and Veronica and Kim and Colleen and Anissa and Jordan. We totally fucked up. Everyone's mad at us. We're mad at us. We don't know what we we don't didn't clearly they didn't have a plan and didn't execute a plan. In that moment, pick Darrell and Veronica for two reasons. One, of that group, they're the ones that don't have any allies, aren't gonna mess anyone too upset about it. And two, they're gonna lose the elimination, probably. Unfortunately, I have to say that. I love them both dearly, dearly, dearly. But look, they're significantly older and uh just I, I I didn't I don't see them winning any of the matchups in this uh in this elimination. So you go with the team that has the least ties, gonna upset the least amount of people, and that has the best chance of losing so that you don't have to deal with the repercussions of putting someone in. So don't double down on your mistake. Um, and plus, if you put in Durrell and Veronica, you let the other two teams make a deal, which means that more 66% chance than Kim and Colleen are going in against Durrell and Veronica. And now, again, you've salvaged. It's still a bad situation, but it's not a horrible situation, a game-ruining, game-ending just situation, which is what they've kind of do. And here's the main thing I want to say about this. And I buried the lead once, and now I buried the lead on the lead a second time. This sucks so much that this happened and that this poor decision-making was had because not just because I like Jay and Michelle and I'm kind of rooting for Jay and Michelle. And so now I'm like, fuck, their game's kind of ruined because of this poor decision. It was riding this high. I was like, yes, they did it. They proved how good they were. They had a mission just made for them. Wow. I just called it a mission. That was horrible of me. Daily challenge. Uh, anyways, if you know me, you know why I think that was horrible. Anyways. Uh, so uh, not just because I don't want, you know, I want Jay and Michelle to do well, is this a horrible thing, but this sucks so much because I think this just literally ruined the season. I think this, this was the moment. This was the moment this season could have went from interesting, good, tons of potential to boom, potential realized here we fucking go. This is wild. This is crazy. This is fun. This is interesting. And instead it turned towards this is super predictable. This isn't going to be all that interesting. And I fear that we are now in for a kind of blah esque season, which has been, you know, what the last few seasons more or less have been. And especially given knowing where, you know, I'm slightly higher on specific members of the vacation Alliance and their extended uh, network of friends and alliance members than the general audience, the general fan base of the show are, which is generally pretty against that group of people. Now that group of people is going to be the ones left at the end of this again, because here's how they messed it up. If Jay and Michelle pick the four that I think was the easy and obvious pick where what I just had said to you a minute ago, bananas and Nani, Anissa and Jordan, Devin and Tori, Casey and Kenny. And then once you've picked those four, you pick Anissa and Jordan to go into the elimination. Why do you pick Anissa and Jordan? Because then 
Bananas and Nani and Casey and Kenny are standing there as a 66% chance to be safe and pick one another, leading to Anissa and Jordan versus Devin and Tori in the elimination, which is obviously television-wise incredible. I like most of those people. All of those people, I like the people. I like all of them as challenge characters, most of them. And what theater that is to watch the four of them have to go into there together also wrecks that alliance completely and utterly and solidifies a true half and half in the house where these younger folks get the true upper hand on the rest of the group. They would knock one of them out. They would have at least this eight to 10 person alliance built with the other side now being only six strong at best with, you know, like a couple stray Vessels and Nelsons that are like totally 100% out in the middle, even more than they already were. And yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, that's so good. That season is so good now. We have this incredible elimination moment this episode, and then the rest, the next couple of weeks are like, holy shit, like this new age, this new group of people taking over, like Olivia and Horacio, not just like rookies, uh, and Kim and Colleen would still be there, but like Amber and Chauncey get their shine. Jay and Michelle would continue to get their shine. Darrell and Veronica could possibly then join in that group and be like, we're the super OGs that somehow superseded the rest of this bullshit that's been going on and proved to you how to play this game and why people like us more. All of this is so, so good. And instead, the rest of the way feels painfully obvious to me. Uh, This will come up again when we do the predictions at the end of the episode. But uh, Jay Michelle, Olivia Horacio, Amber Chauncey, Darrell, Veronica, in some order, the next four to go home. Nelson, Fessel, Laurel, that trio of teams with their partners, obviously, will be the next group to battle. And Bananas Nani, Anissa Jordan, Devin Torrey, Casey, and Kenny seem to be setting chart for the smoothest of sales right to a... Before we get to the awards, super fast, quick hit section. First one of four. Casey and Kenny update for you, because I know you need it. You didn't see them this episode. Like it all, again... Uh, We did get one glimpse of them rowing just to remind the audience that Casey is in fact better at sports than all the other females there. That remains the same, but also what remains the same is absolutely nothing on the show side. Literally nothing. Zero confessionals for the two of them combined this episode. Nine total confessionals between the two of them across five episodes now. To give you a little context, Michelle and Laurel both had 11 in this episode by themselves. Like Michelle had 11 Laurel had 11. Kenny and Casey have nine between them for five episodes the whole season. Second item on the quick hit list, Olivia for season MVP. Just want to give it a shout out one more time because this is the moment where it flipped. And uh, that, while it was great, the first four weeks of the season, Olivia is the MVP. This is the first episode where that takes a major backseat. And uh, clearly just, again, with the way we now assume, or I assume and just said that the season was going to go, uh, that MVP momentum is probably going to slowly but surely die out. So just one more time, wanted to celebrate the fact that Olivia was for sure the MVP of the first, I don't know if it was a quarter of the season, third of the season, I don't know how many total episodes there is, but four episodes in, Olivia was the MVP. Shout out to her one more time. Third quick hitter, Laurel's long-held challenge belief that it's pointless to make friends or hang out with people in the house was very much confirmed to her this episode. You could see the confirmation bias running through her body in that moment where Jack, you know, and her are talking and she's like, yeah, this is why you don't 
make friends in the challenge house because they're just going to screw you over the first chance that they get. And it's like, it's kind of true for sure. And you've had your reasons to feel that way over the history of your career in the challenge, but also you have kind of made, you just kind of decided this at some point, And then that became your thing is that you weren't always all the way, all the way back to your rookie season on fresh me too, where she was kind of like, I do my own thing up in my room. I'm not really into hanging out with y'all and whatnot. And again, every time she's had reasons for it, but it was just, I just, in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, Laurel is just having all of her deepest held challenge belief just completely confirmed to her and thrown back in her face. And so it was worth calling out. Fourth and final thing then, I didn't talk about Kim or Colleen yet. I should have because they're wonderful. They're amazing. I really enjoyed both of them this season. I would really like to see both of them back on this show. I think they're great, especially Kim. I mean, especially both of them. I shouldn't even say especially one of them. I liked both of them a lot. And in this elimination, Kim's strategy was sound. Get all the pieces at the bottom. Killer, smart. Uh, they didn't say in the rules you had to go one by one, whatever. Just, hey, don't do anything over there, Colleen. Let me climb around. Let me get all the pieces. Great. But once you get something wrong in this situation, not having that strategy of how to find the missing piece, not being able to stay calm and compose and be like, hey, it's fine. We got to the first check first. We'll get to the second check first and being able to just like, all right, new plan, do this, read them this way, whatever, not being able to adapt. And uh, it's a bummer, but they did great. And uh, I like them a lot. And plus they did prove again in this episode, they crushed both the swimming and the paddling. I know they made a big deal about the paddling for Kim, which they should have, but they both act did really well in the swimming part too. And they've done really well in everything all season. So I think they showed a lot. I would hope to see them back again in the future time to hand out some awards and i gotta say a little light this week a little light and by a little light i mean i only have two nominees for quote of the week those go to Darrell for not knowing what emo is man i don't know what an emo is but i guess i'm supposed to dress up in all black put on an earring and try to bang it out with these cats if you can't beat them join them and then the second one goes to Jack, who I'm going to go ahead and give the win to as well for talking about how incredible his partner was at rowing this confusing to a lot of other people boat. This boat might have been picked out from the Smithsonian Museum. It looks like it's straight from 1592, literally a rescue boat from the Mayflower. And Laurel has great form on this. You would think that maybe she's taken a time machine and rode with a pilgrim before because she is absolutely killing it. So yeah, good on you, Jack. Uh, Jack definitely uh, in the running right now for the Dan Renzi Awards, doing great in the confessionals uh, in limited, limited use, but has been good and yeah, uh, thank you for providing the one really, really good quote because uh, they were just a little lacking this episode, which is fine. It happens. Jack gets the win. Best moment, three nominees. First and foremost, of course, Jay and Jack's hit, banger, emo, classic. It's our song called Adeline. 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 One, two, three, four. Every single time that I went to bed, you broke my heart and the tears were shed. Closed the blinds and I closed my eyes. Virginia Beach and all those lies. Na 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 Great stuff from them there. Uh, second nominee, Kim's paddling montage. I did really enjoy, but also in the moment where they really highlighted it, I was like, one, 
Uh, they're not about to catch up and win, even if they won their heat. Jay and Michelle clearly made no mistakes, didn't slow down at any point. They're going to win. And two, Kim and Colleen are going home, aren't they? It's just I'm, I'm, I've watched too much of this. I've paid too close of attention. I've studied it in too much detail. It's really honestly affecting my viewing of the show in a negative way now when I just see the obvious, like, hmm, you're showing this. That means that. It's just too much. I got to get it out of my head. Anyways, third uh, nominee for the best moment, Laurel. <sighs> Laurel and Jack, combined one, um, sitting in the interrogation, total stone faces from both of them, won't say anything. Uh, <laughs> Michelle asks, are you guys not going to talk? Laurel responds with, do you have a question? Do you have a question? Which is just incredible. Uh, and this is the moment of the episode for sure. As much as I want to give it to Jay and Jack and their song, Laurel in this moment, her and Jack both in this moment combine with then the conversation that Laurel and Michelle have later, which is to, on, to Michelle's credit, she's trying and Laurel knows, I think knows what she's doing in that moment where maybe in the past Laurel might've acted the exact same way and not realized why it might be frustrating to the person she's speaking with and why it might devolve further in this moment. I think she knows she's being very purposeful. She has no intent of being like, I'm not making up with Michelle. I'm not going to make some now back door secret deal where no one else knows that now after this, we're actually going to work together and that's going to be a benefit to me. None of that's happening. So I'm going to give her nothing. I'm going to give her literally less than nothing. I'm going to confuse her. I am going to just whatever I feel. I feel for both of them in that moment. It's all it's good television. It's good theater. It's good entertainment. And uh, Laurel and Jack stonewalling Jay and Michelle get the moment of the episode. And for the third and final award, the episode MVP, it should come as no surprise who the five people uh, nominated for this are. It's pretty straightforward. Jay's in fifth. Jack's in fourth. Kim is in third. Laurel's in second. Michelle takes the win. Now, you might say I would understand if someone said Laurel or Jack is the MVP of this episode. Um, I'm going with Michelle. I'm going with Michelle because one, they kicked ass in the daily challenge and that was great. Two, she, her face, sh how she shows her emotions it, for the camera and for us, the audience at home, just really like, I don't even need to hear her and Jay talking. I understand everything that's happening in this moment. It's like They've done, you know, all these studies about the the TV show Friends. Uh, I've seen these studies most of uh, the time. I first saw them referenced was in one of the most, the recent, most recent, I think most recent Malcolm Gladwell book, um, Talking to Strangers, where there was these studies about the, the TV show Friends. You could watch it and you had, they had people watch it with the sound off and they were so good at expressing what we believed each facial expression, how they matched up to emotions that you could watch and you knew everything that was happening without having to hear anything. And I feel that way about Michelle. She just wears it all right there for you. She is as is, is bad at decisions as they're being made. Um, great theater, great entertainment. And, you know, she's just going through it. And I feel for her. I feel for Jay. And, uh, yeah, I just, I give the edge to her over Laurel, but really this, this was a group, you know, this was Jay, Michelle, Laurel, and Jack. That was the episode. I throw Kim in the middle there because I thought he did awesome. And I wanted to get him on the list one more time because he won't be around for the rest of the season, unfortunately. So hats off to you, Michelle. I hope you and Jay can find a way to rebound from this somehow, some way. And finally, we got our power rankings and our predictions on the power ranking front. 
top to bottom this time. We're down to 11 for the second week in a row. We actually lose a team for real. So we're down to 11. We're actually really losing teams from now on, it seems like. Top of the board doesn't change at all. Everywhere else behind it changes a lot. Tori and Devin, Nani Bananas, that's your one-two. That's how the season started. That's how it was episode two, three, four, and now five. Those aren't changing. What shook up after that in a big way is the rest of the order after those two. Number three, Anissa and Jordan move up from seventh to fifth to third. Fessy and Mariah drop back to fourth. Laurel and Jack move up to fifth. Nelson and Narice move up to sixth. Amber and Chauncey fall from 4th to 7th. Olivia and Horacio fall from 6 to 8. Casey and Kenny move up from 11 to 9. Jane and Michelle fall from 9 to 10. Darrell and Veronica move from 12 to 11. They're still in last. But really, this is all about the fact. Tori and Devin, Bananas and Nani, they're in the driver's seat, as we talked about earlier. Anissa and Jordan proved a little something to me this episode and moved their alliance, moved into such a stronghold, as we talked about. They vault up. Fessy in Laurel and Nelson come in right after those top three teams. And then after them, we've now got Amber, Chauncey, Olivia Horacio, Jay, Michelle, Darrell, and Veronica, because I feel like they're just on the bottom. They're going to be the next four. Casey and Kenny square in the middle of them, because while they're in the best alliance, I still think they don't have a shot at actually winning the final, even if they find their way getting there without doing a single confessional or a single elimination or winning a single daily challenge. They might end up there. That's your power rankings. As for predictions, we took our first hit, the preseason predictions. We had Colleen and Kim in the final. It was our boldest of our predictions and bold predictions more often than not wrong. So we're one down. We still got Bananas and Nani, Michelle J, Tori and Devin, Chauncey and Amber. Uh, yeah, half of that's looking solid. Our winner picks still looking solid, Tori and Devin. And so far this season, week two, we went two for three on weekly predictions. Week three, we went two for three. Week four, we went two for three. And this week, I, again, I, you know, maybe I shouldn't be judging my own predictions because I kind of let one slide here, but I went two for three again. I said Jay and Michelle would win the daily, which that's hard. That's hard to predict. So I'm, I'm proud of myself on that one. I also said someone not named Colleen will sleep in Fessel's bed which technically didn't happen, but in the next week on, Fessel climbs on in, into Laurel's bed on top of Laurel. And so guess what? I'm counting it. I'm saying, I'm saying we got enough of it. That counts as this episode. I saw it. It happened. I'm right. I was not right. I said even split four vets, four rookies in the deliberation, which was five vets to three rooks. So almost got that one. Two out of three every single week, though. And next week, when I will inevitably go two out of three again, because that's what I do. Here's what we're saying. First one, combined two or less confessionals for Kenny and Casey. Uh, yep, feel pretty good about that one. Tori and Devin will win the daily. That's prediction number two. And prediction number three, let's just, let's just nail it. Let's just go all the way across the board, put our money where our mouth is. The four teams, all four teams that will go into the zone are the four teams I said earlier. Olivia and Horacio, Jay and Michelle, Darrell and Veronica, Amber and Chauncey, you're going in the zone because Tori and Devin are going to win the daily and Casey and Kenny aren't going to say a word about any of it. That's what's happening next week. And that is all of my thoughts on what happened this week. That is everything for this episode, episode five, Ride or Dies, your recap and coverage. As always, thank you so much for being here. Check back in on Friday, top 20 eliminations, plus a few honorable mentions, and by a few, I mean kind of a lot, of the first 20 seasons. Go backwards for the top 20 dailies, the top 20 of the first 20 seasons. 
all the rewatch episodes, all of it. If you're watching Survivor Saturday mornings, most likely to podcast feed. That's where you'll find me and Paige breaking that down. And as always, you want to talk challenge, chop it up about the greatest reality competition show there ever was. Was, keyword, maybe there. I didn't just say that. I didn't just say that. I swear I didn't. But if you want to talk about that comment I just made or any other challenge historian on Instagram, DMs always open. And now, go right now before you click next podcast. I know you're scrolling right now trying to find the next thing to listen to before you do. Go back to this podcast page. Leave us five-star rating. Screenshot that. DM it to me. Win yourself a poster autographed by Susie and Sarah and Dan and Steve and Polly and Tech. You got to get that right. So leave a rating. DM me the screenshot of that. Be entered in that prize. That will be drawn on Friday afternoon. Thanks for being here. Talk to you again soon. Peace.